0: Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, or good evening, wherever you are around the world. Uh, welcome back to Lee Judges TV. As ever, I'm your host, Dan Potts. We're here for another episode of the Arsenal Team Talk, and of course that means I'm not with Lee Judges. I'm with my main man, Graham Brooks. Graham, how are you, mate? Uh, really good,
1: mate. Looking forward to this weekend. I, we were talking before we came on air this morning. This is going to be an absolutely massive weekend, not Huge. just for Arsenal, but in this top four race, because uh, this could be pivotal, I think, this weekend with uh, Spurs going to Liverpool tonight. And us uh, playing Leeds tomorrow, if Spurs were to lose at Liverpool tonight and we could get over the line against Leeds tomorrow, we could go into that North London derby next week with a five-point cushion. But I'm not taking anything for granted, Dan. We've been talking about this fixture. It's a potential banana skin against Leeds, isn't it? So let's, let's not take anything for granted and let's get our own business done this weekend. And I'm looking forward to coming on here today and breaking the game down with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into the Arsenal lead situation, I wanted to get your thoughts on Mikel Arteta's uh, new contract that was announced yesterday till 2025. Some really happy um, fans, Graham. Some questioning it. Some not so convinced. Just want to get your thoughts on where you stand on the situation, mate.
1: I must admit, it was a surprise to me. I didn't see it coming at this start of the season, but I can understand why they've done it then. Um, I think they've done it for uh, two reasons. One is to actually... Um, take the speculation out of his position uh, and also to ward off potential other suitors. If if he was to achieve Champions League football Arsenal, you couldn't sort of like um, say that it might not attract interest from other clubs if they lose managers or they want to see him as their future. So I think what Arsenal have done is they've nailed him down really on a contract, which means if any other club comes in for him, they are approaching a manager under contract. It does protect the club. That's one thing I think they've done it. Secondly, I think that the although he said, and he was quite emotional about it in his press conference it had been done after the Southampton result when we were not where we are now, in effect, uh, on the back of three good wins, um, uh, I, I think that um, they've done it really because in their, in their eyes, he's, uh, well, they've said it, haven't they? He's brought the fan base together this season. We've achieved our target, which was European football. Uh, and I think that's the two reasons why they've done it. Doesn't mean I say because he's under contract that he can't be sacked. Uh, so let's get it right. You can't ever see this ownership wanting to sack him the way they sort of like worship him, it seems. But, uh, you know, for people who are saying, you know, he um, and I thought he, we could have waited to the end of the season, but I could understand why they've done it. It doesn't mean to say that any manager is safe with a contract. So that's what that's my way of looking at it. But it does seem to me as though they... Really like this guy. They upgraded him from coach to manager, gave him full power, uh, and and um, he's been rewarded. I think for let's face it, he has got the team playing good football this season. I know we struggled to see a style early in the season, but I think there is a definite style now, uh, and and the fans are on board. So I think it's they rewarded him. I think for what he's um, although he hasn't got us in the Champions League yet, he has achieved European qualification. He's united the fan base and he's got us playing a decent style of football. And I think for see as the club now going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're right in your thoughts there, Graham, about why he signed that contract or why they've, um, they've handed him that contract. My concern is that we haven't done anything yet and we're giving somebody a contract a little bit early and I, I worry that perhaps we've jumped the gun. Of course, I hope that we get top four and win the Champions League next season, but we're singing songs about it. We're giving a new contract to the guy. If we get fifth, we're going to look silly and be batter FC again. So that is, of course, my concerns and my worries. And I've not been 100% convinced by Mikel Arteta that he's the right guy to take us to a title. Some would say that he is and that he's the guy that's going to be the next um, you know, George Graham or the next Arsene Wenger. Um, I have my concerns. I don't think we can compare him to those, those greats yet. I do think there's a long way for him to go. Um, yeah. I also have a little bit of concern, but I do have some positives, believe it or not. And I have been fair, I think, in my criticisms, but I've also been fair And I've given him credit because I do believe there's a lot that he has done that's good off the pitch. I think he has definitely brought a connect back to the fans and the players. I think there's definitely some positives there. I do enjoy what I've seen in terms of the recruitment. I think he's got a couple wrong, but certainly got a lot right. I do think the players are playing for him. I don't think there's anybody at Arsenal at the moment who are down tools like they did on Emery. I think all of them have definitely got on board with what Mikel Arteta is trying to do. So there are some positives, 100%. And I think no matter where, how you look at it, When you're giving a manager a new contract, Graham, you have to look at the person who's given him that contract, not the manager. And that's why I'm not going to be pointing at the manager for this decision, because it's not him who's given himself a new contract. I'm looking at the Cronkies, I'm looking at the board, and they believe that this guy's right. And if they believe this guy's right, they have to ensure that he... I have to be a little bit more ruthless next season with what he's going to be achieving. Because if we do get Champions League, next season I want to be pushing on Graham. I don't want to be just getting in and around fifth, sixth and fourth again. I want to be going forward. And I think with summer recruitment, we can do that. So the good thing, I suppose, to look at it this way, the positives are he's been given this new contract, which I believe means that Cronkies and the board are going to back him in the summer with a transfer kitty. I think it's clear in January that we cleared out more of the deadwood. And I still think we've got some deadwood to clear out this summer. And I do think, and I said this to James on AFTV and a few people said it was a bit over the top, I think we need another six to eight players in the summer. I'm not even joking. We got it right in the summer last year. We didn't do anything in January to recruit. So now what I think needs to happen is we need six to eight players to compete, not just with fourth place Tottenham and Man United, but with Liverpool and City. And I'm not saying we're going to win the title next season. But I don't want to be 20 points behind them next season, Graham. I want to be in touching distance of a few games. And I know that people might think that's unrealistic. But when you're spending another £200 which is the rumour we're going to be given, I think if you get that recruitment right and you get the right fullbacks in at the club, you get the right midfield, you get your strikers sorted, I don't see why we can't push on and try to at least get close to Liverpool and Manchester City. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that in terms of the, the near future in the next couple of years in Mikel Arteta and what you think we should be aiming for.
1: Well, first of all, can I just say that you made a lot of really good points there, Uh, but I don't think the club are looking at it in quite the same way as you are, Dan.
0: Oh, no, trust me, I agree with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when you say uh, that basically he hasn't even achieved Champions League football this year yet, but give him a contract, I don't think that came into their thinking. I think the thing is they feel as though the project is the project, and the project, I know people don't like that word, but they see it as a project, is ahead of schedule. They see... Champions League football was what we were sorry. European football was the target for this year. So, uh, I think that the fact that all those factors I've talked about, uh, the fact that the team is building, the fact that he's sort of re-energized uh, the uh, the relationship between the fans and the players, and the way the club's going, the direction the club's going, is good enough for them. And I think that um, I, I think that um, Champions League football, if we get it, is almost like above. Schedule is you know is something that they didn't probably envisage this season. But obviously, if we get it, we get it, and then you've got to start building on that. I think in Ask your question, it depends how the rest of the season plays out, uh, and it, and I'll come on to the two year bit in a minute that you talked about. I think that um, if we get uh, Champions League, which we are favourites for at the moment, that will then commit their well, obviously then their strategy would have to wherever their strategy was would have to be around that Champions League now. The fact that we're in the Champions League and we really do need to have serious upgrades in a lot of areas of the squad. Uh, And obviously, as you said, I I think you're right. Five or six players are needed in the summer. I've only heard they're interested in two or three. But to play, you know, we've been sort of like this season, competing on virtually one front since January. Uh, And the unity in the squad that comes from that has almost like been the weakness when players get injured. Uh, And it's amazing that it's almost like these junior players or backup players like... Who are carrying us towards Champions League qualification. We finished the game against West Ham, for example, with Cedric Tavares holding Elneny and Eddie on the pitch. And, and if we're going to be serious about wanting to compete in the Champions League, three or four of those, uh, possibly all of them, we, you wouldn't want to see in the team next season if we're going to be in the Champions League. So I think it does, you know, how this season pans out. If we get the Champions League, obviously they've got to seriously look at who they're going to recruit and improve the team. Uh, if we get Europa League, uh, you know, you're not going to have the same options open to you because Champions League does open up the window to players who want to play in Champions League. And that gives us a, a great uh, chance of recruiting better players. But if we get Europa League, he's still going to want to, I think, get, I agree with you, for at least five or six, possibly seven players, you know, because the squad is very thin. He's, uh, and we're going to be offloading more players in the summer, you know. So, you know, but I think the plan for the next two years really should be, I can remember uh, William coming in and saying when he joined Arsenal that Arteta wanted to compete for the league and then the Champions League within three years, and that's why he joined. So, um, so I think that the the goal really should be to put Arsenal back competing for the top trophies within the next two years. If we get the Champions League, we get the recruitment done, then we should be really fighting for the top prizes. You know, we're a long way behind Man City and Liverpool. But if we get the right uh, players in. Uh, you know, there's no reason why we can't compete and uh, the next start of that process in the next two years I think has got to be towards um, trying to regularly sort of like stay in the Champions League places and compete for, uh, for a title within two or three years, I think that should be the goal of the club, whether that's realistic or not, that should be the goal uh, because Arsenal is a big club uh, and it's, it's not good enough when you're finishing eighth, uh, two years running and sixth as we were in the previous year before that, we've got to be back up there competing for the top prizes. So that should mm. be his goal. And I think that's what the club wants. And I think that's what he wants. Uh, I think he'll say that. So, you know, it's important, really, at the end of this season, that we ne- don't fall apart now and we get this Champions League qualification done. Uh, but for the next two years, I think we've got to be competing seriously for, I think, for the top prizes.
0: Yeah, when I top, listen. When
1: I say the top prizes, down, I just say, obviously, we're a long way short of maybe competing for the Champions League. We've never... We've been in the Champions League for 20 years and apart from the 2002 to 2005 era, we've never seriously looked like getting beyond the round of 16. But what I'm saying, we should be regularly in dining at the top table with the top clubs in the Champions League.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that, Graham. And um, some may call me crazy for saying this. There's people in the chat saying you and I are deluded that we think we're going to be competing with the top prizes anyway. People are quite realistic about the fact that they've accepted that the next few years is we're not going to be doing that. And um, that's why I didn't want this process because I, I, I didn't want to wait any longer. I've already been waiting 18 years. But actually, I do think where I slightly disagree, Graham, is I think probably Champions League, we've probably got a chance of winning that before the Premier League, just for the pure fact that I've seen some terrible teams win the Champions League over the years. I remember when Chelsea won it in 2012, they come eighth that year. I remember when Liverpool won it in 2005, I think they come sixth that year. I remember Porto winning it in 2004. And I've seen some horrendously bad teams beat some great teams. I looked at Villarreal this season getting to a semi-final under Emery. I look at some of the uh, the shocks, I suppose, that have happened. Even the other night, I thought Man City were walking through it, Real Madrid coming and turning it on their heads. So, I think that with a Champions League, because it's a knockout competition, Arsenal yeah, I probably got more yeah. chance of winning that.
1: I think the point you made is a good one. I don't think the best team in Europe always wins the Champions League. If you look at um, the Champions League this season, um, and you are right that. Of all the, Bramovic spent billions on Chelsea over the years, and probably one of his weakest teams won the Champions League. So it just shows you that they, he had better teams that didn't win the Champions League. The Arsenal team, uh, uh, the invincible team for two or three years, was, in my opinion, the best team in Europe, but we didn't win the Champions League. So there we go. Uh, and that's the thing of tournament football. If you look at this year's Champions League, Dan, Liverpool got to the final by beating uh, Milan, who was second in Italy, um, Benfica, and Ajax. You know, and um, and Villarreal haven't they? So where's where's Real Madrid? Well, no, I'll I'll go. Just going back to that um, um, the way Liverpool got through. I was trying to think. They beat Milan, then they beat was it Ajax? I think it was Ajax. Um, And then it then it's then it's um uh, Villarreal. So so they they've beaten teams. You know, one's third in Italy. One's in the top five in Spain. And obviously, um, I think it was Ajax. I'm just trying to think it was Ajax or Benfica and I've lost my track of thought. But they, they, the point I'm trying to make here is that they, they got to a final without beating European pedigree team. Whereas if you look at Real Madrid, they've they literally uh, beaten PSG, uh, Chelsea and Man City. They've beaten the champions of England. Um, they, they've beaten the Champions League holders. And they've beaten the champions of France to get to a final. Get, you know, in my eyes, Liverpool will, will 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 probably win that final. I I believe so. Yes. Um, so it is about tournament football. We don't have to be the best team in Europe. So probably you're right. We have got a great chance of winning it if we could get and, and tournament football is all about the right draw. If you get the right draw, you get the luck. It's not just about being a top team. You have to have certain things go your way to win the Champions League. And that's why, like you talk about Porto, they won it in the year when a lot of the top teams went out. You know. So I know they beat <laughs> Man United. Uh, the, uh, Mourinho uh, beat Man United, and I think in one of those, uh, yeah, running the
0: down points. the touchline. Money, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it's not as if they didn't beat a, a top
1: European side at the time. But I do think you need a lot of luck to win the Champions League. Whereas a league season is you've got to be the best in the league to win the league. So I take your point. So we probably have got more of a chance in that. But but judge on our history over recent years, we haven't been good enough, even when we've been in it to get past the round of 16. We've always seemed to come up against Bayern Munich. And Barcelona in their prime, so there was genuine mitigation for that, of course. But, you um, you know, so I I think that the idea really is at the moment we should be looking to get back in that Champions League, um, Mm. you know, and, and competing at that level. I think that's the aim of the club
0: yeah I'm, I, I totally agree with you graham uh big up troops by the way hope you're well bro i haven't seen you for a long time i hope you do it keep him well bro and um he's agreeing he says consistency to win the league um no but we'd have to get lucky draws in the champions league um i hope you're well troops um good to hear from you man and cheers for watching and, and, and uh thank
1: i just congratulate him on on his uh getting married uh recently uh, and uh on the success that he's having in america you know he's uh, He's you know of all the guys I've met through AFTV, he's one of the nicest guys. He was
0: really nice to my son as yeah. well, so a lovely guy. Yeah, absolutely, I second that, echo that, and um and hope he's well. And uh, congratulations uh, as well, troops. Um, we've been talking about the future. We've been talking about the future. Um, but listen, I have to say, Graham, we can't look too far because we've got four massive, massive, massive games <laughs> coming up, and um. It starts this weekend, Graham. Um, thoughts going into this one, before we bring up team news and start talking about Leeds and talking about Arsenal. Thoughts about this game, Graham, uh, against Leeds?
1: Well, it's a game that you think we'd win, wouldn't you? Um <laughs> I, I, I do sort of like edge on the side of caution because when you think about it, over the last six games, we've literally lost the Crystal Palace, Southampton and Brighton and then suddenly beat Chelsea, West Ham and Man United. So it just shows how. You can't take anything in this league for granted. Uh, Leeds have got a terrible record in the league in the terms of they've um, conceded, I think, a league-high amount of goals and over 70 goals. They're massively vulnerable at set pieces. Um, They had to change their manager uh, mid-season, Bielsa, uh, who is a great manager but really wielded to his principles of man-marking, which meant the team were vulnerable. The conceding goals, they've now gone for Jesse March, who's basically changed the way they play. They've gone from man marking more to uh, almost like a pragmatic. He plays almost like a 4 2, two, two at times uh, when they're playing. They're a more narrow sort of side, um, and more def- he's got them more organized, more defensively solid. So, I think um, their recent results, uh, although they've sort of not scored in five of their last eight games, they have uh, in the last five they've won two. So, um, and Last week against Man City, I thought for a lot of that game, uh, reverting to a back five, which I think we're going to talk about. I think they might go with a back five against Arsenal tomorrow. They looked incredibly solid. They only conceded from a set play. And apart from that, they were in the game throughout. Man City only had five shots on target in that game and they scored before them. So that's how lethal and clinical they were. You know, um, But for all that, I thought Leeds competed in the game. It's not going to be no easy game tomorrow. Leeds are fighting for their lives. If you look at their last four fixtures, they are literally down there in the relegation zone. As much as we're going for a Champions League place, their whole Premier League future is up in the air. They've got some difficult games left. They got. I still think they've got to play Chelsea. Uh, I think the other two they've got Brighton and Brentford. They'll be possibly the games they're targeting for points. But I think what they will do tomorrow is, is they are going to come and they're going to, I think, be more solid and, and sit deeper and, and play the a low block. And they're going to be harder tomorrow to break down. So. It's a sort of game where you know you think that we've got better players in every position across the pitch. But I've seen teams with lesser players than us come to the Emirates this season like Burnley and Norwich and get a draw and a narrow defeat. So I'm not taking anything for granted. It is a potential banana skin. I do think the players need to be on their game. I do think we need a fast start tomorrow. And I think we do need um, you know, the fans to be right on board with the team from the off. And I, I think we need to sort of like uh you know push them back early and, and 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 start gaining territory uh and you know sort of like be on the front foot tomorrow and and no sort of like like we i don't want to see a performance like i saw against brighton for example where no, we, were, man. <laughs> we where we were just not at it you know and, and i think you know i think this game as i say it's one that you'd expect to win but i'm not taking anything for granted uh, man.
0: yeah 100 uh to be fair to troops he's 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 on the same wavelength as me as ever man i have do you remember PTSD from '99, Graham, and 2003 Leeds? Like Jesus Christ, I don't even want to be reminded about do you, that. Do that you remember? Just...
1: The, the, yeah, just coming back to Troops's point there. 2003, I think, was the last time they beat us. I think we were going for the league title that year, and I think it was yeah. the Duke who got a couple. And I think Harry killed. They beat us three two at Highbury. It was at that game. So, but they had, yeah, they had a really good team. They had, a, they had a really good team then, didn't they? So, um, but yeah, but they are right. They have come and sport the party before. So. Um, we're better teams, albeit, but it's a game, as I say, it is a potential banana skin. So we just need to make sure that we're at it tomorrow and whatever way Leeds set up, we're just going to have to find a way to break them down, I think. I don't think there's a lot of goals in this Leeds team, apart from Rafinha, who we're going to talk about, I know. But, but, but I do think that they could be very solid tomorrow and difficult to break down in a low block.
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely 100% with you. I think it is going to be a more difficult game that people are giving giving Leeds credit for, I should say. Let's bring up the teams, Graham. I want to get your thoughts on this one because for me, I think it's going to be uh, quite interesting to see how Leeds are going to set up. So before we come to Arsenal, let's look at Leeds' team. Um, If you can talk me through that one because I think we're looking like it's going to be similar to how they set up against Man City, Graham. Yeah, I think uh, that
1: obviously they've lost Stuart Dallas He's out, I think, for the rest of the seasons. Uh, but uh, the, on the flip side, Cooper, the Scottish uh, centre-back, is likely to be available according to uh, Jesse March at his press conference. I think, as I say, last week, in a back five, they look really solid. So, I think Koch, Cooper and Stroik will be like almost like a back three um, uh, on that um, you know, centre-back sort of back three. And then you've got Aylin and Furpo. I think the advantage of that is, I think, that Furpo is almost like the leads Nuno Tavares, you know, he's he's really good going forward, but he's got mistakes in him defensively. Uh, and so if you play him higher up the pitch or he, he's got cover on that side from, say, Stroik, um he's not so susceptible uh, either in transition or when they're defending. So and I think uh, Klitsch or Click and Phillips are like the two centre-mids. Uh, Aylin, who, who, who could have a really good battle tomorrow with Smith, Bara, or Martin, who plays on that side, uh, it, it's, it's good going forward. I think he scored in a recent game. So, so um, you know, I think they're set up in that way with Rafinha on the right, and that could be a worry for me. Rafinha against uh, Nuno Tavares on that side. Uh, um, so, uh, that might influence his, might influence uh, Arteta's thinking in that he might think Martinelli's probably more disciplined defensively than Smith Rowe. So, he might go with Martinelli to, to sort of help defensively, uh, but. But Rafinha, something like 10 goals and three assists in in 31 appearances for Leeds will obviously be their main weapon. I think uh, in recent games, I've watched Leeds, Rafinha has come sort of more narrow into almost like the number 10 position. I think they're going to want him to play out wide tomorrow to to get into uh, that space, vacated when Tavares goes high. Uh, Rodrigo, obviously Bamford's on the bench, I suspect. Bamford's very close to coming back. I think they're saying it's probably a game too soon for him to come back. Rodrigo will play out front. Harrison on the left-hand side. So that, that I think what they'll do is they'll defend in a five. So Aylin and Firpo will drop back. And what Arsenal will want to stretch the pitch to use the wide areas tomorrow. Saka on the right and uh, Smith-Rowe and Martinelli on the left. So Leeds will want to cover the pitch. And I think it does it if they play the five. It also congestes the half spaces in, in that formation, um, which means that if Arsenal do look to play Smith-Rowe and Odegaard in the half spaces, Leeds have got sort of good defensive cover there, and that 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 I think will be the way they'll try to set up, and I think they'll try to frustrate Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal's team tomorrow, I suspect that um, Benjamin White will play. I know they're assessing him today. It's crucial he does play, because last week against um, West Ham, one of the problems we had passing from deep with no White and no Partey, we haven't got the, the good passers who can pass it through the lines to Odegaard or in our build-up play. Uh, Holding was brilliant defensively last week, but he's no match for Benjamin White on the ball. So it is crucial that White comes back. I think they'll want to play him if he's available. I'm hoping he will play. Um, so you've got, like, uh, White and Gabriel, you two centre backs. the back. So I think Nuno obviously will be the one looking to push up high, which I'll explain in a minute. Tommy Asu, to, on the right-hand side, will be more inverted in a three when Arsenal attack on the ball. The key really is, as always, Martin Odegaard. I think Leeds to be very aware of that. And also... Odegaard's role in the team tomorrow will be to press up high because we have pressed against Leeds team with a lot of success in the last two fixtures, when we scored two, uh, four goals in both fixtures in the last two league uh, league games. Uh, and I think, you know, I think the key for Arsenal really is to be, to get the ball forward quickly through the lines to Odegaard and Smith Rowe. And if you show it on the board now, I'm expecting Smith Rowe to drift into that left half space. So where we got him there, he's a he will be drifting in there, looking to take advantage in that little sort of pocket of space there. And when he does that, that's will be Nuno's uh, chance then to come up wide and high. And he'll be looking to exploit on the outside. Obviously, what we'll be hoping to see him this time was Smith Rowe inside, Tavares looking to get some crosses in from out wide left. Granite Jacker, when he does go high, obviously fills in on that left-hand side. Uh, that would be Jacker's job, really, to move across there. And then you've got, like, Tommy Asu, Coming back on the uh, Gabriel is shifting across there, White shifting across, and Tommy be shifting across. So, and then we'll have sort of like El Nenny slightly fur, further forward. Uh, and and I think what Arsenal will try and do is get those five lanes again that we've always talked about. So Niketia up high, you've got Tavares up high there. You move Niketia into the middle there up high, and then you've got Odegaard moving up between Phillips and Strik. And then you've got Saka trying to stretch the touchline on, on, on that side. So what we'll see, I think, in this game is there's Arsenal's five lanes of attack with a 3-2-5 in build-up. The three defenders, it was Jacker, and they're only holding their positions in the pivot. And, and, and I think you'll find then the battle will be those five lead de- leads defenders against the Arsenal five up high, who can get the space. And that what you want, really, from the Arsenal players is on the ball is sort of like try and drag in Leeds players out of position to create that bit of space. And then we need to get players into the box for crosses. But I think that's where the key is going to be. I think they're going to defend in a five against our five up high down. And it'd be an interesting battle tomorrow. I think if we get an early goal, that changes the whole complexion of the game. It does mean Leeds have to maybe change shape and come out more. But um, I think the longer it goes at 55, 60 minutes, if we don't score, uh, then, of course, the pressure... You know, then Leeds will be trying to hit us on a counter attack uh, and use Rafinha. I think in that wide area, and then you've got the danger of Rafinha and Tavares. You know, that is, I think, a key battle. As much as I think Saka against Furpo will be a key battle, uh, I think for them they'll be wanting to. Uh, they will target Tavares' side. I think last week David Moyes did a really good job of the way he targeted Tavares' side, uh, the way West Ham were exploiting that side. Uh, our left side with their right fullback high Koufou. Uh, I think that Leeds will be obviously looking at that Tavares side as much as we'll be looking at their left side as well and trying to get Saka on the ball. What we've not been doing really well down over the last few weeks, we haven't been getting the ball to Saka quick enough to get him one on one with his uh, with his fallback. And so that's why I think it's crucial that Arsenal play through the lines quickly. The passing's got to be more crisp, more assured than it was last week against West Ham, and get the ball quicker to Saka to get him in in the game. You know, obviously we won't have those uh, with. Tommy Asu more an inverted uh, fullback, not up high supporting Odegaard and Saka on the right side so much, so you, you could argue that Arsenal will probably be targeting the left-hand side, uh, our left-hand side their right side more, I still think we Saka is our best player, we've got to get the ball to him, get him in positions where he can be running at their fullback and then try and drag one of their centre-halves across to create some space in the middle that maybe Eddie uh, or somebody arriving late in the box to exploit but yeah, it should be an interesting match-up tomorrow I'm expecting Leeds to play a low block, to be honest, and it's up to us, I think, to break them
0: down. Yeah, it is up to us to break us down. And KG came on on Thursday night and did a preview with us, a Leeds fan, and he said, listen, Nuno Tavares, yeah, it might be fun for Rafinha, but trust me, Saka will have a field day against furpo because he has definitely got some weaknesses as well. And I think they've been quite questioning the future of Furpo and how defensively solid he is, although he can be good going forward. And obviously, we're in a similar position with Nuno Tavares. So I wanted to ask you, Graham, <clears throat> with, with the Saka and Furpo situation and the Rafinha and Nuno, who would you say is probably going to get the better out of each battle there? Because I think we could see Rafinha and Saka... Both playing very, very well. So, I wanted to get your thoughts on who you have more confidence in Saka or Rafinha having a good game at the weekend. Well, I, th- I think
1: that we should have most of the ball. So, it's just the case of how we use the ball. So, Saka, if we use the ball right, Saka's going to have more opportunity to actually uh, get the better of his man more than Rafinha, who basically is going to be relying either on transition or balls over the top or in counter attack. So, I-, I think, you know, it- it's Arsenal being the home team, having more of the ball, you think Saka would have more opportunity to actually sort of like impact the game. Uh, as long as we obviously get him the ball quickly, of course, and isolate him one on one with Fervo. But, but, but Rafinho is a quality player uh, and he's, he's not going to be at Leeds next season. You know, he's going to be battling for higher honours, I think. Uh, he'll be leaving Leeds in the, in the summer. So, but he is real quality. And um, if you put, if Leeds do sort of like are able to win the ball back when we're up high, uh, and we get caught, you know, he can do some serious damage. I think that's why Gabrielle and Jacka have got to be crucial on that left hand side. Um, also, Martinelli or Smith Rowe has got to work with Tavares up high to try and close down, so they can't get the ball to Rafina. They've got to try and block. It's all about pressing. When when Leeds have got the ball, we've got to be looking to press those wide areas to stop them getting the ball to Rafinho. I mean, last week he was against Man City. Uh, He used him more in a wing-back role, to be honest, which I didn't Mm. think suited him. I think he's more better higher up. But they've got to get the ball to him, haven't they? And and if if we are dominating the ball, dominating the play and pressing well, making sure we stop those passes in, they might have to go long, look to go long. And that's where Gabriel and Jacka really should be covering to to sort of like stop him, you know... um, get in the space where he can do something, you know, and they've got to be accurate with their, ball, their balls out. So it's all about the way uh, we play, I think. Uh, but I think in answer to your question, I mean, the fact that we're at home, we're probably going to have 60, 65% of the ball. You'd like to yeah. think that Saka's is going to have more chance of being impactful on the game and, and having more chances to create against their left back than uh, Rafinha against our left back. And so that's the way I see it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Graham. And also with the Martinelli and Smith-Rowe situation, I thought Martinelli was really poor against West Ham. Although defensively at times, he's better than Smith-Rowe, I think, because he's got that tenacity to get back and to I think Smith-Rowe's always looking to drive forward. I think actually Smith-Rowe will be better for this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see it reverted for the North London derby. So we'll have to see what happens then. But of course, I don't want to go too far ahead uh, and look at that game uh, just yet. I think on uh, Martinelli,
1: Martinelli only one goal in his last 17 games. But I think... He didn't have a great game last week, uh, but he did something in the game that I thought the Smith-Rowe might not have been able to do. And that was uh, when we got our second goal, obviously from a second phase of play from a corner, It was he, he was the one who actually saw the opening to put the cross in for Gabriel to head in the winner. Yes. So, so yeah. that's something he did. Even when he wasn't playing well, he still had an impact on last week's game, but he has only scored one in 17. Uh, I think really this smith rowe Martinelli argument is something I wanted to talk about today because... I think that one of those players, he, it's great that he can maybe sort of like switch them around. But I think, and I think Smith-Rowe has been struggling with a little bit of injury concern lately. So maybe he hasn't been fit for a lot of the games, which might be the reason he's been doing it. But I think ultimately one player would benefit from a really long run in the team where he's not being chopped and changed. You know what I mean? So I think that really that's a call. I think that interesting which way Arteta goes on that, where he feels as though he's going to, rotate them depending on opposition and, and just sort of keep them fresh. I don't know. But I think sometimes players like to have a run in the team and, and well, neither that's... of them have
0: had a, had a run in the team lately. Do you disagree with that? The, no, no, I'm with you 100%. And there's two things to this, Graham. Um, just quickly on Martinelli, I totally agree with what you said about the West Ham game. He was vital for that goal. The other thing is he had a brilliant game at Ellen Road at the Christmas time. I thought Martinelli was fantastic, scored two goals and was one of the best player players on the pitch. So that could come into play with, with Mikel Arteta. But I really do think that Eddie is the reason that these two guys are can't get in the team, and that for me is criminal. Now I know he's been brilliant in the last couple of games. He scored against Chelsea, was really, really influential against United, and was really good in the second half against West Ham. So I'm not taking anything away from him. But are we really saying that someone who hasn't got a future in Eddie and Ketia is better than seeing Martinelli through the middle and having Smith Rowe, Saka, and Odegaard behind him? I just don't know why Mikel Arteta is so against playing those four players now. People have said before, but he can't hold the ball up, Martinelli. Well, to be fair, Eddie's only just started to do it against West Ham because he wasn't doing it against Chelsea and Man United. He wasn't holding the ball up and linking players in. He was just showing a lot of intensity and a lot of pace and power, which, let's be honest, is what Gabriel Martinelli has got. So I'm really surprised that Mikel Arteta hasn't seen that Martinelli could be utilised down the middle. And I just think that potentially, if Eddie was to have a bad game against Leeds, then we might look to do something different in the North London derby with that front four and then all of them get their get their place and run in the running the team, Graham. Do you, do you know why he does it? He,
1: he prefers him out wide. Simple as that. Yeah, um, you're, right. you're right. And, and to be honest with you, I think you've got a fair argument. I think that uh, Martinelli, he has used him in the, down the middle before and it hasn't clicked uh, like it could have done. But for all that, I, I still think that he can play that role. I do think he can play it. And also we can slightly changed the way we play and and there's no when you think about i think martinelli was perfectly capable of doing in the second half what what eddie did when we stretched them with the there's no reason why martinelli couldn't be sort of like running onto balls uh either in the channels or down the middle you know so i think he can play that role and i think the thing with eddie is we've been slightly sort of like um sidetracked here by the bigger issue eddie's not the future of the club eddie is leaving in the summer and, and he hadn't scored a league goal up to the Chelsea game. And the fair play to him on that night. He took his two chances against Chelsea brilliantly. And he also, he did really well in the games against West Ham and Man United in terms of his intensity and his running and what he offered. But he's not a goal scorer. Uh, he's, he's. I, I just don't see him as the future of the club. So when you've got someone who is the future of the club, you have got two lads who are the future of the club fighting for one position. Uh, you know, I think it's a fair point you make that that you know, we know that Martin Martinelli can play down the middle. You know, you, you know, he's done it in the past. He's scored goals down the middle before. So, albeit the question marks about his hold-up play, but there's no reason why, as you said, Eddie wasn't doing it. Um, he was dropping into midfield quite nicely, I thought, against West Ham. Give him credit for that. But I, I do think that as Arsenal fans and as a club, if we want to go to that next level, we've got to be maybe sort of like thinking more than Eddie Nketiah as our striker. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, you know, uh, you know, he's an honest no, guy. Right. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I do like the way he takes responsibility. He has shots at goal, which lacker wasn't happening earlier in the season. So fair play to him. Lad. He's not a lad short of confidence, but I do think that if we are serious about going to the next level, we really do need to sort of like, you know, it's almost like he's a stopgap at the moment. I get that, but we have got an option. there. stares stare us in the face where we've got Smith Rowe can play up and on the left hand side, and, and we got Martinelli who could play down the middle. And, um, but for some reason, I think it, all through the summer, even through the season, I think Mikhail has seen Lacquer or Niketia for that role. Lacquer held, held the role for a long time after uh Obamiang left, and Niketia just came on and replaced him a lot of the time, didn't he? It was almost like a light for light sort of tactical switch. And now he's decided you now he, to, to sort of like rest Lacquer. Now he's he, giving Niketia his run down the middle. And he doesn't seem to want to play Martin Eddie there. And I think the reason is, as I said to you, because he likes him out wide there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people in the chat are agreeing saying Martinelli wants to play out wide, doesn't want to be a striker and Arteta doesn't see him as a number nine. Well, I see him as a number nine, but I'm not the coach and I'm not uh, experienced enough have the expertise. So perhaps he is a left a left forward. But uh, I've certainly don't understand why it's not been tried sooner rather than later. Uh, big up Premsey in the house. Uh, good to see you in the chat, bro. Hope you're well. Uh, another great fan favourite of the show and a good friend. So, yeah. Um, Head over to Premsey TV if you haven't done so already. Graham, I want to read out some of the match stats, if I can, mate, um, in relation yeah. to Arsenal and Leeds, because um, some of these are quite shocking, as ever. Uh, you do your research, mate, and uh, I've got a lot of time and respect and admiration for that because uh, I think it's, uh, it's great what you do. But Arsenal have won nine of their last 11 games versus Leeds in all competitions, so that must be a good omen. Arsenal have scored 29 goals against Leeds in the last 11 games, including four in both of the last two Premier League games. So there's always been goals in these games, particularly at the Emirates. In the head-to-head in the Premier League, Arsenal have 50 wins to Leeds 41 and 33 of them have been a draw. Arsenal have now gone six league games without a clean sheet, their worst run since April 2021, which to me is quite surprising, considering that a lot of people, have, a lot of praise has been lauded on the defence. Albeit we have got a couple of injuries at the moment. Leeds have conceded 72 goals in the Premier League this season, and that's the highest of any club, and also 18 from set pieces also the highest, an area for Arsenal to exploit. I wanted to talk quickly about that in two ways, Graham. not just some of those stat, uh, stats there, but more importantly, the set-pieces side of things. Because for me, that has been one thing, that, whether you love or hate what's happening at the, on the pitch, I've been so impressed. I mean, like I don't want to jinx it, but we haven't conceded yet from a set-piece this season. And also, we're better at taking them. So I think a lot of love has to go to Nicholas Jova from uh, the Man City guy that we got in. His set-pieces, pros and uh, positive, like uh, defend, defensively and attacking set-pieces, this guy deserves so much credit, Graham, don't
1: he? He's done an absolutely fantastic job. I, I did the Tactical insight show, as you know, with uh, James yeah. last week, and we, and we highlighted the way that he's improved us. Uh, one thing he's done, actually, is he's improved the way uh, players actually deliver into the box. I've noticed that we are... Um, getting more good crosses into the box from set plays and from corners. And like the first goal we scored last week, it was it was, it was was the way that they sort of like targeted West Ham. And I think Leeds again tomorrow, 18 set pieces they've conceded from. That'll be an area I think Arsenal will be looking to exploit, as I said to you in the notes, uh, tomorrow. Because Leeds are vulnerable, uh, like West Ham were. West Ham were vulnerable last week because they would have noticed that they had a centre-back issue. They had to play Creswell or uh, at left-back, but he wasn't just a left-back in the centre and he didn't have the height, but it wasn't just that. It's the way that we actually sort of, like, uh, attack zones now, the way that players block players, the way that players scream when the crosses come in, and we create space for people to run off people better than any time I can remember being an Arsenal fan. You know, I, I've, a number of times I've been to games, I actually could never see a scoring from corners, you know, because we didn't have that sort of, like, um, so well drilled and organised, the way he's got in... Uh, into the, the players, the way they sort of like um, attack set plays now. and But obviously the delivery has to be right and the delivery's been better. And then uh, I think the only goal we've conceded from a uh, – we haven't conceded from a set play or, or a corner in my knowledge. The only, the only one we did concede was at Southampton from a second phase when we didn't get a corner out. But so he's improved the way that we sort of like mix uh, man for man and zonal marking. Uh, you know, he gets players in the right area. Uh, you know, also you've got the right players, the tall players, and all that. That he is very well coached and organised now. So he's come in and done an absolutely fantastic job. So not only are we better defending now set plays, uh, we are better uh, actually uh, attacking set plays, and that's reflected in the numbers this season. You know, and the funny thing I saw a stat yesterday. We've, we've with the crosses, we've we've got the highest um, connection rate, 23% in the league. So with the crosses that we're wow. throwing into the box. You would not associate that with an Arsenal team, would you? No. You remember, I, I can remember last season, Arteta talking about we dominated the game, we got loads of crosses in the box, but nothing came from the crosses. This year, we are sort of like more, looking more threatening from set plays and crosses, and we're connecting with the league high 23% of them. It just shows the fantastic job that Jova's done since he's come in. Uh, and, and I, you know, fair play to him, and, and he, he deserves all the applause he's getting. And, and I like the way that. When we score from one of those plays, I don't know if you've noticed know, in the stadium I've seen, because I sit right above the area of Arteta, actually, and the team, the, his technical staff sit. Whenever they score from a set play, Yoba's there celebrating it with him. So he's part of that and, and, and deserves it so.
0: Yeah, I I must admit, it was the Norwich at home game, which takes us right the way back to, I think, the fourth or 5th game of the season. And I said to my dad, who's that keeps standing up every time we're taking a corner or defending a corner? I didn't get it. I thought it was this guy. And then I did my research and was told, actually, by a couple of people, yeah, we've got him from Man City as our set-piece coach. I think we got the Brentford guy in to start with, but he was then replaced by Nicholas Jova. And I look at that and thought, okay, that's interesting. And then it just got better and better. And I saw it at Leicester away when we scored, Gabriel scored the header and he was going nuts. And I really like that. You know, because it's something that he's clearly been brought in to do. That's that's proving to have been working. Evidently on the pitch and I think that's when you start to appreciate some of the things that have been happening on the pitch Not just off of them because I've been very very critical to use the eye test and say things aren't going right But actually when you can look at something so specific as that as an improvement, it's always great to see that progress Um, Graham, I want to kind of wrap up with a score prediction as we always do Uh, And then I'm going to ask you something quickly to as before we do wrap up Um, Score prediction for this weekend, mate, I'll let you go first. What are you going for?
1: Do you know what? We've conceded, uh, Sorry, we've scored something like eight goals in our last two league games against Leeds. Well, I just don't think this is going to be a, a high-scoring game, for all the fact that you think it would be. The fact that Leeds are so defensively poor. Uh, I just think that they're going to be more solid tomorrow with a back five. And I think they're going to be harder to break down. I'm also like, tempted to go 1-0 Arsenal. But the, the thing is, we don't keep clean sheets either. We've haven't kept a clean sheet for the last six, have we? And I think that's the worst record now since April 2021 of six games without a clean sheet. and the defence don't look for so solid as they did earlier the season. Um, albeit I thought the defence last week at Leeds was better. and uh, sorry, uh, sorry, West Ham was better, we defended better as a unit. Um, so I, I'm gonna go for an Arsenal win in this one. I do think we'll get the job done. I think though we will concede, uh, because we've been the you know, history tells you that we've been conceding in the last six games. So I'm going to go for an Arsenal
0: 2, Leeds 1 scoreline. Same as judges and KG, to be fair, said the same. I'm going to go 3-1 Arsenal. Um, again, like you, I think we're going to concede, but I do think there's some goals in this game. Leeds, as we said earlier, have conceded 72, the highest in the league. So there's definitely going to be the potential for us to score some goals. And I think that we will take some of those chances. In the chat, we've got Hans, who says 2-0. We've got Hendon Guna that says 1-1. I'm with Jake. Jake's with me. 3-1. Uh, Fruitless Gardner has said 2-1 a 3-2 from Terence. So there's a lot of goals from some people, Graham, but um, I think there's always that kind of, are we going to go on a free, a high-scoring game for the pure fact that Leeds need those points? So in a way, it's going to be good for us because Leeds have got, they can't sit back and just, you know, sort of, um, you, you know, try try and keep as many out of the goal for us. They yeah, have I, got I, to try I, and go this game.
1: Dan, Dan, I disagree with you. I think they will sit back. And what, what, what they're going to do is, if, first of all, if they got a point, if you look at, they've got four games left, they might see a... Albeit they've got one less game than Everton. They might see a point at Arsenal as a good result. Maybe, so, maybe but
0: you're but right. But I
1: think what, what they'll try and do is they know that to win the game, they've got to be defensively solid. If they don't defend well, they're going to have no chance in the game. So they're going to have to – and and Jesse March is a quite pragmatic sort of like coach who's got a more solid, I think. So I think yep. they will try and play on the break. And I just think they'll try and use Rafinha's pace in behind on the break. I think they will sit deep. Try and frustrate Arsenal. I think if they can get to half-time at nil-nil, they'll probably feel as though they've got a great chance in the game. The longer it goes without Arsenal scoring, Arsenal coming frustrated, Arsenal might, then gaps might open up that they might be able to exploit. So I don't think they will be, albeit they'll want to win if they can get it. But if you know, I think the thing is, if Arsenal play to their ability, move the ball quickly, get their better players on the ball uh, and and start sort of like moving the Leeds players around. There's no reason why we can't create chances. Uh, but just remember one thing: Leeds defended really well against a top-class Man City side last week. I know they lost Good four boy. nothing. Everyone said yeah, they lost four nothing. But Man yeah, but the Man City The scoreline didn't line,
0: suggest that. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't
1: a four nil game, was it? And and so yeah. I think they, and we are not quite Man City yet. So so I do think it will be tough. <laughs> So I I do hope, obviously, if we can get an early
0: goal, it it changes the complexion of it, doesn't it? I think first goal in these games is always key. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Lastly, Graham, I've got to ask you. It's a comment as well that's come up. Dan, thoughts on the big game tonight, Liverpool versus Spurs. Surely Spurs can't go to Anfield and cause an upset, Graham, or this season, (laughs) can they? You can't predict the season at the moment, mate. So what's your thoughts on tonight? It's a massive game, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. Actually, um, I, I think that uh, Spurs have got as as you know, doesn't need me to tell you they've got the weapons to hurt Liverpool in behind. I think uh, Son's pace, um, in, you know, on that Trent Alexander Arnold side could be obviously give them a chance of scoring. Uh, but for all that, I think whether Tottenham score or not, I just think defensively they're not very good, and and you you can't not see Liverpool scoring more goals than than Tottenham. It's at Anfield, it's under lights. Um, I just, I just think that they got too much up front for Spurs, uh, and, and, you know, the only thing that's sort of you're slightly guarded for because we've been in this position before as Arsenal fans. I can remember coming away from an Arsenal game. I forget who, who, who we were watching that day, and I was coming back, driving back, listening to the Man City Spurs game, thinking, well, that's a bank, and Spurs are going to lose the Man City, and then they turned over Man City. So, are they capable of doing that again? Well, they probably are. Any, any Conte team is capable of being tactically good, and and he's got great quality up front, two quality forwards, Kane and Song, who basically make an ordinary team look good. So, But for all that, I just think Liverpool have too much for him up front. So I, I I just can't see Spurs getting a result there. This is not the Spurs team of a few years ago when Pochettino was at, in his prime and they had uh, 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 that great centre-back combination. They had Eriksen in the midfield, and they had Dembele and Kane. It was a better team than this. So I just don't think this Tottenham team is... You know, they, But they have got two great forwards who, who, who could hurt Liverpool in behind. So Liverpool will have to be weary of that. But I just think defensively Spurs are not great. And I think Liverpool got too much quality up front not to, to hurt them. So, yeah, in answer to that question, I'm expecting a Liverpool win. It is a pivotal weekend because if they were to lose tonight and we could turn um, Leeds over tomorrow, the gap is then five points with three games left. Uh, and then, obviously, they're under massive pressure then, Spurs, because they have to beat us. And the, it won't only be um, table pressure that they're five points behind. They've got to manage that game to beat us as well. So I think if the, the results go the way that I think uh, and that we do manage to beat Leeds this weekend and Spurs do lose at Liverpool, three games left, five point advantage, I think we are the, really then in a really strong position to nail down that Champions League us. I, I think that, you know, um, I'd be very disappointed if we don't get it from there. But you know, I look at our last few fixtures, Dan. Newcastle always is not going to be easy. I think they'll give Man City a good game this weekend. So, um, and Newcastle have taken more points, I think, than most teams since uh, January. Uh, I think probably only Man City and Liverpool have taken more points than them since January. So, so they, they they are on a good run. So, they they would, we've got to go there. That won't be easy. So, um, in a way, I think that we need to win tomorrow, beat Everton. Um, and, you know, if... if, if If Spurs were to turn Liverpool over tomorrow night, I mean that would be, uh, uh, sorry, tonight. That would be massive pressure on us tomorrow, wouldn't it? You know, so. Oh, it
0: will
1: be. But answer your question. I've, I've uh, you know, gone on a bit. I I just think Liverpool got too much quality, and I think Liverpool get the job done.
0: I really hope you're right. Um, I really do. Football never works on paper, does it? Does it? But on paper, we should beat Leeds and Liverpool should beat Spurs. So let's hope that is actually what happens. Because going five points into that North London derby, clear of them would just be absolutely amazing. And knowing that a win would then secure Champions League spot, and they can't get it, that would just be amazing. And would be great, even, wouldn't it, would... if we actually were to secure Champions League qualification on their ground. For I mean, the first uh, time that we've gone there. Yeah. <laughs> we've we, we,
1: we won two league titles on their ground. Uh, this would be the next best thing, wouldn't it, to actually secure uh, Champions League listen, on their ground. But they've won, yeah, the won two league titles in their history and we've won two league titles on their ground. So I, I love making that <laughs> point. But it wouldn't be that is a great if, point. If, Yeah, if we went there and secured Champions League qualification on their ground and uh, the players are all in the corner over-celebrating and the celebration police will be all over us again, won't we? They would, yes. they, so uh, it would be fantastic.
0: let let, let them come man let them come I'm all for celebrating wins I'm all for celebrating football games Um, and that one will be sweet to celebrate just because it's uh, against them so we're not there yet let's concentrate on this weekend not only Graham is this massive for the top four but it could be massive for the title race as well because if there was a shock to happen then of course Manchester City after their disappointing week will be looking to try and um, uh, get that, that, that Premier League title which let's be honest is what they need now because they could go a whole season without winning anything if Liverpool was to nick them for that so Unbelievable huge weekend, Graham.
1: Yeah, I'll just say one thing if Liverpool win the quadruple, I'm going to lose a lot of money. If Liverpool win that quadruple, (laughs) so uh, I'm I'm just desperate for for, for as much as I want you know Liverpool to beat Spurs tonight. I'm just desperate for Man City to win that title. Not that I'm a big fan of Man City, but um, you know, I took a bet of a few bets uh, with Liverpool fans that he won't win the quadruple. So if they do put it off, I'm going to be massively out of pocket, mate.
0: well let's hope for your sake that they don't I don't want them to win it I I will respect them massively and already do if I'm honest I think what they've done Liverpool is outstanding Um, but I don't want them to win it of course either Um, Graham I absolutely love these shows, man. I can talk to you for hours and hours. Um, I know everybody in the chat absolutely loves it as well. We've had nearly 500 people listening live, which is amazing. Um, so um, I just absolutely love your content, mate. People need to go and follow Graham on Twitter. I'm amazed you don't have your own channel, Graham. It needs to happen one day, man, because I could yeah, listen to it, you for it ages. It might do.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like, um, as you know, I've got a, uh, a job that I enjoy doing. So I, I wouldn't have the time to do my own channel. You guys, but look, I know, Dan, you... Not was same old Arsenal. I remember me and you worked together on the same old Arsenal. I know the actual work that you put in on that channel for Craig, and also I know the, the, the work you put in for, for Lee as well, and it's fantastic uh, what you do. So Thanks, and, I know it's a lot of work, uh, and and I and I work the sort of hours, you know, sort of sometimes in the week late, that mean I wouldn't be able to do it as much as I would you know, love to do it. I'm going to retire in the next few years because I'm 60 years old, as you know. So uh, the, the, that's Not the great looking, thing. Right? <laughs> the, the great thing was, Dan, that I actually... Um, two things, right? i sort of like, um, sorry, I'm, I'm sort of like going on football. Oh, no, go for it! But, but, but I basically had to pick up a prescription in the week, uh, some some antibiotics, and I went to pay for it. She said, "Oh no, no, no! You have to pay." So you're sixty, so I don't have to pay for the antibiotics. And I've got my senior citizens rail card now, I'll get a third off when I travel. So, ah, oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, so there are some blessings that become in this age. But you know, you know, I'd love to be able to do some more work. Uh, I do enjoy coming on the judges' TV, as you know, I'm on AFTV People can follow me on Twitter at B 195 I do follow back all Arsenal fans. But, you know, um, maybe it's something I might do in the future or do more content in the future. But, um, yeah, thanks for the nice things you said. And, uh, as I say, I always enjoy doing the show with you, Dan, because uh, you're top class, mate.
0: Oh, mate. thank you very much for the compliments mate it means a lot coming from you uh, thank you also to everybody else in the chat for watching this uh, me and Graham we'll be back in the next couple of Saturdays as well We're talking Newcastle and Everton of course so uh, we'll look forward to that and hopefully Arsenal can get three points to start off with against Leeds and we can enjoy a weekend getting further and further away from our North London derby rivals before we play them on next Thursday night which is absolutely huge probably one of the biggest North London derbies we've seen in history not even joking particularly in the Premier League so let's enjoy that uh, Graham thank you very very much thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next time as always up the arsenal and take care and hope for three points against Leeds. take care guys